Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. As a reminder, Act 2 is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is just one of our many cool initiatives. So thank you for joining us here. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming topics or series. Give us a rating, write a comment, tell us the weirdest thing an executive has ever said to you after a pitch. I like that. <laughs> if you'd rather DM us with questions or topic suggestions, you can at act2writers at gmail.com, and that's all spelled out, or on our Instagram at act2writers. I'm also on Instagram at Story Thursday or on Twitter at Tasha3.0. And I'm on Instagram as Josh Hallman and Twitter as Joshua Hallman. And Josh is drinking his energy drink with a straw. I just want I am. to know that. <laughs> <laughs> and to the new level. Do, uh, you know what? I'm not even going to give you an explanation. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to drink it with a straw this entire podcast. <laughs> Do you have any this week in writing, Joshua? Should we start there? Well, Tasha... I do have a This Week in Writing. It's actually a This Week in Writing. Normally, it's, it's just me rambling about what I watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You ready? I'm so ready. So I wrote a script. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I, I'm, <laughs> so I'm working on a script with a producer. I was connected with this producer through my manager. It's the first time I've worked with him. And uh, he gave me notes on this one script. So... I get the notes, I address the notes, he comes back, he has another round of notes. And these aren't anything major, the script is almost done, we're like at the finish line. But he comes back and he specifically had some notes about the opening. So he's like, hey, I think you should uh, change the opening to this. And he kind of, he suggested a couple tweaks that I could make. So I'm like, okay, great. And he had sent this, this is all through email, and I wrote back, I was like, everything makes total sense. That's great, I'll, I'll get back and I'll do it. Well, it did make sense, but it didn't make total sense. And I was, I was thinking about the note and I was like, I'll, I'll figure it out because it, it wasn't that difficult of a note. And I wish I could get into more specifics. Mm -hmm. I will soon, but I can't right now, unfortunately. So stick with me. And so time goes by. I'm thinking about this note, thinking about days go by. And this shouldn't be taking days. It's just a, you know, changing the opening. And I end up talking to you guys about it. My writer's group. Mm -hmm. Writer's group. I, I did like the sin. I started to get defensive about things. People were throwing out ideas. What's hilarious is this happened literally right after the Ten Commandments of Note Takers. Totally. Note -takers. It, was, it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> and I'm actually curious. This is like the reason why this was such a big deal and why like I, it was like really holding up my process. It was because I don't know about you, but when I write a script and I make changes, I always have to have the opening scene like done mm. even though i know i'm going to change it i just can't have like something where i don't know what the opening is is mm -hmm. that s similar for you yeah that makes sense okay it just sets the tone the pacing all these different yeah. things but this note was about the opening yeah it was very important and i end up talking to you and dave and our goal buddies which by the way is another extension of act two goal buddies so you great. just have a su support system and i'm like what do i do and you're like why don't you just talk to him and i was like <laughs> 
Wait, can I step in for a second? It was because when we were talking about the note, it was a lot of like, well, I don't know what he means by this. Like, he could mean this, or he could mean that, or he could mean that. Yeah. Or like, we were all, we all three had different versions of what he might have meant by the note to the point where it's like, we there's no way we can fucking know what he's talking about until you ask him because the note was so kind of specific but also vague at the same time. Yeah. So I think behind all this was because he was a new producer and because I was working with him, I was kind of like, I got this. I'm good. And I almost didn't want to show my vulnerability mm -hmm. of the note. as And I thought I was past this phase, to be honest, but I guess I'm not because I was like, man, I got this. I, I In my head, I was like, I should be able to figure this out. I should be able to figure this out. And I was Put, I was just not calling him. I was avoiding that just because I wanted to handle it on my own to just to, just yeah. to kind of like... Oh, I so relate to that. Yeah. Anyway, I end up uh, sending him an email. I said, hey, man, can you talk? He's like, yeah, call me in the morning. I'm like, oh, okay. Just uh, great. So we talk about it. And like, he was so relaxed and so casual and basically told me, I was like, you know, hey, so I'm thinking about making this change, this change, this change. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't mean make all these changes. I just meant change the intent of like this conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was a really, really easy solve. And yeah. my brain ended up creating this whole other scenario. And had I just called him and talked to him about it a week ago, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. That's my This Week in Writing. That's such a good lesson because I do that all the time where for a variety of reasons, A, it's, it's like stubbornness in some mm -hmm. ways of like, this is my story. I will figure it out how I think it should be done. And it's, it's like a pride thing. And then two, it's a fear thing. You don't want to seem like you don't know what you're doing to the producer because you're afraid they'll lose faith in you. And three, there's sometimes insecurity that the producer is actually dumb and won't have a solve and you'll just get more messed up but you're right like you really liked the producer you liked his other notes there's nothing in there to say that he wouldn't sort of understand when you talk to him about it and have good solutions and uh, i so relate and to like spiraling for a week only to have the answer be so simple yeah i was spiraling and he's a great producer he knows exactly that was the i think that added to it was that he is a very smart and sharp kind of person and so part of me felt like I was like, oh, I got to I got to get up to this level and figure this out. Yeah. So the lesson is, yeah, just when in doubt, just ask. I don't just know why ask. I didn't. I, yeah. I was really mad I didn't. It's commandment number seven or something. Something like on that. our 10 commandments of note taking. Do you have a this week in writing? I do. And it's kind of related where it's about notes. A producer gave me notes. And what was fantastic is... He gave me notes, but he prefaced it with saying, we love your script. It's really great. I don't want you to take the notes I'm about to give you as a sign that we don't like what you're doing or that mm -hmm. we even feel like it's in bad shape, but there are notes. So I just want to give you that heads up that like he like gave me this soft cushion basically to lay on yeah. before, <laughs> before he, he stabbed punched me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> And Jacob, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> that did help. But I think that's such a great way to receive notes, I think, as a writer, because it does help prevent the spiral, because spirals can always happen when you get a lot of notes. And instead of doing that, it like kind of stopped me on my tracks and it made me look at the notes document and say, yeah, okay, that, like there's work to be done, but 
nobody hates it. <laughs> so like that's I can do this. It's just weird how you come out of the gate and you love something. It's your first draft, and then as revisions happen and after notes, when it's getting better, you start become you start doubt uh, doubting the script more. At least I mm-hmm. do sometimes. I'm like, wait. Is this still good? You're just so close to it. You're in the middle of the cyclone. You can't get out of it. You're like, what the yeah. fuck do I do? Yeah. Every time. Every time. Um, before we dive into stuff. Yeah. Can I just say that there's a cat behind you that's just kind of like playing in a box? <laughs> she's, she's too fat to fit in the box, but that doesn't <laughs> stop her. <laughs> she's a go-getter. <laughs> All right. (laughs) All right. So today we are continuing our Pitching is Terrible series by talking about kind of this weird little like 10 minute window that happens after a pitch. Yeah. And do we want to kind of talk about first just generally what that looks like, Joshua? You're damn right. (laughs) All right. So usually what this looks like is The execs will say, wow, that was great, or great job, you're so great at pitching. And this is where they might start to ask you questions about certain moments in your pitch. If this is TV, they're probably going to start asking you some specific questions about the rest of the season and how you see that playing out. Basically, there's like a Q&A section in this phase. And it's actually important because this can be where a lot of your selling can actually happen. Like, if they just hated your pitch flat out, there's kind of no coming back from it at this point. But if they're sort of on the fence, this could be the part where you actually really sell them on your pitch. So I thought we would talk about just different ways that those 10 minutes could look and kind of bring in examples that have happened in our own lives that were probably terrible uh, to emphasize (laughs) or illustrate how these kind of can play out. Yeah, I love it. And I didn't really realize how important this was until it I started to realize or recognize like, oh, we're kind of chatting after the pitch. And I do feel like if there's like a, if the executive or producers or whoever are 50-50 on this pitch that you just gave, I feel like you can sway them in these final 10 minutes. I feel like so too. I feel like you bring energy, you bring a knowledge of the story that you just pitched and a confidence. I have definitely seen execs go from meh to oh cool like yeah this is cool it's like a date and if the date's just going okay but then you just have like a fucking great departure from each other you're like i want to see that person again date number two and i don't know why but i'm going (laughs) (laughs) there was something about those final 10 minutes that i just loved it's true all right i've kind of broken them down because i'm nerdy into different sort of categories that can happen in the last 10 minutes of the pitch. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I feel like I... your brain totally doesn't work that way, but mine does. No, I totally broke stuff down, but go for it. <laughs> All right, my, the first kind of category is the backhanded compliment, which I have a story about and it's painful and I think about it a lot, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> so when I first started pitching, like early days, like literally my second ever pitch in my entire life. It was a TV pilot that I was developing with John Rogers, who is an amazing producer, a great writer. He created shows like Leverage, The Librarians. He's wonderful. And I developed this pilot with John for John for a while. He even helped me with the pitch. And it was kind of interesting because 
it was really interesting because he's done it so many times so it's fantastic to learn from him and what's interesting is his big thing in pitches he's very big on this is what character a wants but this is what character a needs and he uses that want versus need as like a framework for how he pitches because it introduces the character and it also sort of kind of propels propels you into talking about what the drama is going to be right because want versus need is very different how do we get there so i developed this pitch with him on this pilot that i created and i'm walking into places like nbc abc all the big letters because john is a big network tv kind of guy and that's where his connections are and these buildings are huge right like they're literally built to impress you and it's the second ever pitch in my entire life and i am fucking terrified <laughs> and it kind of feels like gambling in this weird way i don't know if you felt this in your pitches particularly in early days where you're like like i could literally change my life in the next 20 minutes or i could walk away absolutely humiliated <laughs> yeah no of <laughs> it course could really go either way so i do my pitch and the common thread that i am getting back from all of these huge executives is wow like really great job great pitch you're so great at pitching and at the time, because it was my second ever pitch, I'm like, yeah, like, oh, I'm <laughs> killing it. Like, this is a thousand percent the confidence boost I need right now because I'm so terrified. And then I go to this one network executive and he was super high level. I feel like he was maybe the president and it was only him, which is unusual. It's usually a bunch of executives in a room. And, and it was in this one place and I forget which network it was, but it was all glass and it almost looked like he was sitting on the throne of Hollywood, like just LA just <laughs> spread out behind him. Fuck, and... I love these stories. <laughs> I love hearing this stuff. And after the pitch, he just kind of leans in and he looks at me like right in the eye and he, he kind of speaks the way you do to like a five-year-old who's done a chore really well and like gets a gold star where uh -huh. he was like, that pitch was so great. You should be so proud of yourself. I bet your mother's proud of you. Get out of here. And I remember this because like, I swear to God, because I was so fucking stoked. <laughs> like I was basking <laughs> in that compliment. And afterwards at the valet, because that's the kind of place this was where everyone had to valet their car. So I'm in my like suit that I pitched in. I'm like probably sweating. And I called my mom as I'm waiting for my car to be like, mom, you'll never guess. Like I'm oh in the lobby God. of ABC. And he said, you should be really proud of me. <laughs> and oh, I man. sold that pitch a total of zero places. <laughs> and <laughs> it wasn't until years later that I realized that fucker was condescending to me. <laughs> and <laughs> he could 1000% see that I was nervous, definitely that I was green. And he absolutely had no interest in buying a show from this kid whose mama yeah. should be proud of her, right? Which is all to say that this backhanded compliment thing is a very real moment after a pitch. And I feel bad saying that because I don't want anyone to not feel good about getting compliments after a pitch because many times they can be very genuine and I have gotten genuine good feedback like that. But if you are confused why you're not selling things, but also people are telling you that you're really good in a pitch, just know that there's sort of an uncanny valley in between there. <laughs> Wow. I don't even know how to follow up with that story. That's an amazing story. Do you, and you don't remember who the guy is? I don't remember who it was. I just remember his face out. and the feelings that it gave me. You're going to see him again. You're going to be in the <laughs> middle of a pitch at some point in the future, and it's all going to come back to you. It's going to be like Ratatouille. <laughs> yes. like you're going to get that rush. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, man, like, I wonder oh. how I'll react. <laughs> like, just anger, oh, the, uh, tears? Uh, fuck. <laughs> wow. So I guess the, the, the question is, well, like, like you said, there's that valley of like getting the compliment, but someone still not purchasing the pitch or, yeah. or like latching on to the idea. But it is possible for people to really like the pitch. It is. I think the, the way I should have known that he wasn't being genuine with what he was saying was he had absolutely no follow-up questions. And that's the clue that they're interested or at least engaged in some way and want to participate is they have questions to to ask you when you're done pitching. And all he wanted to say was, your mom should be proud of you. That's, man, that is very condescending. Yeah. Or did he mean it? Did, was he trying to encourage you for the, the path? My interpretation now is that he actually could tell I was super green and super scared and super nervous, but given all of those things that I was feeling, that I pulled it off. So yeah. I think he was kind of saying like, good job, kid. Like you don't got this one, but maybe you'll get there in the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What a, okay. This, this story took a turn. I like this guy. I, I, I'm not even going to follow up with the story. I, I feel like you need to just keep going. Next the category. category. All right. The yeah. next one I think is the collaboration, which is mm -hmm. a big one. You talked about that recently as something that happened at the end of your pitch that you had to deal with. Yeah. I've definitely been in the position of, you know, you give the pitch and then you start spitballing ideas. I feel like that's very normal where if people are interested, they're, they throw out an idea and you're like, oh yeah, that, that's great. And then you kind of, you jump, you latch onto that, whether or not, usually, whether or not I really like the idea, I mm -hmm. always say, oh yeah, that, that's cool. And, and then you kind of give your own idea that kind of forms it back into your, uh, into your world. But the story I recently told, I won't get into this long thing, is I did a pitch. Uh, the executives, I thought they really liked it. They, they didn't. They were throwing out ideas, and I think I was so thrown off that they didn't like the pitch that they were just <laughs> like, I, I wasn't collaborative to some of their ideas. Yeah. And I ended up talking with the producer who I pitched with, and he was the one who was like, you should be more collaborative to like some of these. You should be more open to some of the ideas. And it really messed me up for a while because I was like, I am. What's so interesting too, though, about your story is that it wasn't that you were not collaborative because the way you said you behaved was like, oh yeah, okay, that's interesting, that's cool, that's interesting. Like you weren't being dismissive, I, I don't think, or you weren't throwing no. their ideas down on the ground and then stomping on them, but you also weren't, I think you were just thrown. So you weren't maybe like pitching back to them and like creating this big conversation, but you were also not being rude. So I think that's important to note mm. as well that you can feel dismissive by simply being polite, <laughs> but not yeah. really engaging with them. Because as you said before, even if you don't like an idea that's that a producer mentions after your pitch, you will still engage in it and talk about it as if you do like it. And I think that's the thing you got to do in the collaboration yeah, version. Totally. I don't think you can ever be rude. And that doesn't even cross my mind because just from having a just, you know, manners and having integrity, <laughs> I feel like you have to like, you have to, you know, be polite to people. But um, I do, I have heard stories of people just being a complete ass, being rude to other people and just being like, you don't fucking get it. And that's yeah. crazy to me. I don't, my mind doesn't even go there. So no, I wasn't trying to be rude. Of course not. Yeah. There's one instance that comes to mind for me where it was 
if that TV pitch was my second ever pitch, this would be my first ever pitch where I pitched on the Ouija movie and at Blumhouse. And after the pitch, I learned much later that they didn't like any of it. But after the pitch, they were kind enough to suggest things where basically I like went way above budget <laughs> for what they had planned. You did? For this, yeah, for this tiny little movie, which like it's my first pitch ever. I don't fucking know about budget. So I just pitched what I liked. And then they're yeah. like, okay, so we kind of want to keep this to like two locations maximum. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, I, A, I wish I had that information beforehand. So then they started kind of trying to say like, well, this scene that you pitched, like, do you think that could still take place in the one house? I'm like, well, and so suddenly it became a conversation about budget and how to decrease the locations and can what I pitched still work in two locations. And I just had to be super open and very collaborative in that moment i still get, didn't get the job but i know that they appreciated my effort <laughs> yeah the, there's something we talk about often but i really feel like at the end of the day people really just want to be heard and we work in such a creative industry that and a lot of the execs are former writers or former creatives that ended up going the suit route nothing wrong with that at all and i think people just want to have their stamp on ideas and like we talked about i feel like sometimes writers have to be like producers and managers you're always just kind of like dealing with people people's emotions and this happens in these 10 minutes especially in the collaboration phase where you're like yeah that's great i love it okay what about this and you're just always making people feel good yeah which kind of brings me to another category which i think is it overlaps with the collaboration one but it's the pitch that comes after the pitch yeah. So you've done your pitch and now you get a swing from left field at the end of your pitch from an executive who wants to tell you this. That's great. I love your action movie that you worked a month on to come up with, but we're not really buying action movies right now unless there's a romance element involved. And, mm -hmm. you know, because I like your action movie, do you think that there could be a love interest in your movie? And you fucking panic because you didn't plan for this. Everything was perfectly orchestrated to be just a straight action movie. But you have to smile and you have to say, that's such a great idea. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. I think a romance element would actually make this story so much better. And here's why. And here's what we could do to that. And it actually makes me think of an act two where we did idea creation night. It's like this brainstorm session. It was originated because everyone's looking for their next spec idea and it helps to just be in a room and brainstorming and getting your juices flowing and and then i just kind of combined that idea with game night <laughs> and yeah. i try to kind of switch up which game we play but the game that everyone in act two seems to love is this game put out by skybound which is robert kirkman's company he did walking dead he he did most recently invincible and his company created this game called pitch storm and basically the entire objective of this game is that there is one writer who pitches a movie based on these two random cards that they get. And then halfway through their pitch, another player acts as the executive and interrupts them by saying, that's great, but what if X happened instead? And they say whatever is on their card. And it becomes this kind of hilarious 
anxiety inducing <laughs> exercise <laughs> where you have to come up with a solve on the fly to combine this executive's idea that's on their random card with your original pitch. And Skybound came up with this idea, obviously, because it's a company of writers and this happens a lot. And the key here, again, is to just show collaboration. You're going to be thrown by these crazy pitches. You know, like, ah, can all these people be dogs? Because we really want an animated movie. And you just have to go with the flow. Or if you really want to and you don't want to add a romance to your action movie, I feel like there is a world where you can say, well, that's great. I, I don't think then this movie is right for you. But I come up with something that's, you know, a romance action thing. I'll definitely, you know, come your way. If you feel like, I mean, I sort of even don't feel comfortable saying do that, but there's a world where you can and be polite about it. But I would suggest just always trying to collaborate in the room and then afterwards be like, fuck you. I'm never adding a romance to this thing. Yeah, you can say things all day and never do it. <laughs> that, that's the beauty of all of this. You could just make shit up. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm going to totally do that. Because this is the selling thing. This is the smoke and mirrors. You're selling, you're selling. You're not writing anything yet. So might as well go for yeah. it. Oh, my God. A romance story? I didn't think about that. I actually think that'd be great. That's It's like a little born-ish. It's like John done. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you are so good in this last 10-minute phase. This is why I can't get over that one really bad pitch <laughs> yeah. that I had. I feel like watching you in this phase would be a master class in how to handle this because you are such a good salesman. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. There's another section. All of these are kind of similar, but there's one I think that is a little bit more specific where there's a Q&A that's about clarifying your vision. And this is specific to this section because it's where execs like your pitch but they start poking at what you just pitched just to like force you to talk a little bit more about it and just as another story um i remember <laughs> i was having lunch with a particularly savage executive mm -hmm. that said she just passed on this guy's pitch because he came in and he pitched his passion project it was some kind of like arthurian legend thing and he was so proud of it she said but at the end she saw this huge logic hole in his story that literally unraveled the entire thing. Like it made the entire pitch moot. And I wish I could remember what it was, but it was something like, well, if your main character Merlin has these kinds of powers, then wouldn't he just do this? And the show would end after the pilot. And she mm. said the writer was just like, sunken in his chair because he clearly had never thought of this logic hole and he did not have a solve for this oh. logic hole and the savage executive was telling me this as an example of how stupid this writer was and how smart she was for catching it but my heart went out to this writer just so so hard because that will 100% happen and it's happened to me plenty of times where I'm in a pitch and you just don't know every answer because you yeah. can't possibly, you know, you just come and you pitch the broad strokes and you'll get to the specifics later and you maybe not have thought of everything. Like it's just impossible to do so. So the yeah. Q&A section is really important. I think it's this chance for the execs to come at you with logic questions. So if you've invented a world, so sci-fi or fantasy, or you have a mythology, 
be ready to talk about those things in a bigger capacity. You don't have to have all the answers, but you have to have some. Yeah, and that, that's a, it, this is really interesting because we talked about this on previous pitch episodes, but what's so tricky about this is you need the answers, but you don't want to get too specific in your pitch. So it's yeah. just really, ah, it's a weird balance, but it's impossible to have all the answers. It's I remember impossible. one time I... I did a practice pitch to you and Dave for that action thing I was writing. And I remember you said to me, wow. And I knew there were some, some issues with the, the pitch, but I tried to like hide them. And you're like, I, I don't know what happened in the second act, but somehow I was into it. And I remember <laughs> thinking, fuck yeah. And also, I hope I don't get quizzed on the second act. And when I did the pitch, they did ask about some things in the second act, and I just kind of made it up on the fly. Yeah, I would say almost all of the pitches I've ever done, the second act is real vague. It's just broad strokes. And that's okay. It just, just connect the tissue, I think, and that should be enough. But like an example that's come up recently is that for Tomb Raider, I pitched the mythology that ended up staying in the first season. And I knew what that was gonna be in my pitch. I have since then gotten a lot of notes about the logic of that mythology, getting more specific, making sure it works, because now that we see it in play, some things aren't working. But I was able to pitch the shit out of it because I, I knew what the broad strokes were. I knew how it functioned. I knew how it functioned with my characters. And so those are the things that you need. And when people start asking you questions afterwards, if you at least know those connective tissue questions, or answers rather, then you're going to do fine. I think don't panic when you get questions. Just either make it up because yeah. I think Josh and I have both done that. Everyone does it. Make it up. But also lean into all of the work you just did to put this in there. And you know this world better than anyone. Go at it. Yeah. And just make it up. <laughs> it's a lot of making up. Yeah. Which brings to the last question or section which yeah. is what if you don't know the answers to their questions that they give you in this last 10 minute section what do you do well i'll tell you what i did i took an improv class oh shit here we go again <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been about two months since i brought up my improv class <laughs> or do <laughs> so anyway the lesson that I learned from the improv class that I took Tell Tasha us. was the the yes and rule, which everyone knows, I'm sure. I don't even know why. That's the one thing I took that everyone <laughs> fucking knows. <laughs> oh, so here, you know, that's just a really good idea, but what if there had there was like this romantic uh, or this love interest? Yes, and 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 what if, and then you can just keep going and just spitball your way through it if you don't yeah. know the answer. That's what I do. It's, it's not, it's probably not the right thing to do. I'm sure you have more sound advice, but that's, that's what I do. No, I mean, essentially that's what you have to do, right? Like for me, when I've been thrown questions that I don't have answers to, I'll say something like, oh, it's really interesting. You know, I hadn't thought about that and I'll probably say it really slowly so that I can think about an answer while I'm talking and, and wasting a little bit of time as I say, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's a really cool point. And then sometimes my brain just can't get there. Like after what I've just been through <laughs> pitching this yeah. thing, like I just can't get to an answer. So, and that's okay, I think. 
for the most part like and then what you say in that situation is you know i'll have to think about that like that's really interesting and but i'll have to think about how that would work and i've gotten jobs by the way where i did say that and they were okay with it right it's like oh because what you're saying is i hear you but yeah. i would have to do do more thinking about how that works and i think that's valid because what it's showing is you're collaborative and you're someone who's thoughtful and you know you're willing to think about that more so that's a valid way to respond and you're speaking kind of in the world of people throwing out ideas and kind of seeing how it would fit inside of your world right yeah yeah, yeah. i i've also in that uh, scenario i've also said pretty much what you've said like oh that's really interesting and i and i've said i know this works i just have to kind of think about how it works oh that's a great way of saying it that's a really great way of saying it. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. That's going to be yeah, my new way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. I know that's a really great idea. I just have to kind of think about it. Yeah. That's cool. Idiot. Or... That's, what, man, that's, <laughs> that's what your internal dialogue is. <laughs> I'm kidding. Usually it is really good ideas that you just haven't thought of. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we're writers. We think we're always right. <laughs> so have you been stumped? where someone's been in the like the q a section and they've asked you a question and you just didn't know have you ever been like i, I don't know no i've never been like i don't know i i will say well that's really interesting um i don't know how that works right now but i'll have to think about it and i'll put a really thoughtful look on my face <laughs> Mm -hmm. Just practice that in the mirror if you have to. No, um, you stare stare off in the distance a little bit like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I'm doing it right now. You know, I, I am genuinely <laughs> thinking about it because I do want to be able to come up with an answer in the room that that is my go to. But if I really just can't do it, there's no point in coming up with bad versions. Just say exactly what we're talking about. Just, you know, I'll think about that. That's really interesting. I'll, I'll see how that works. And I can play with that. Something you can do too is, is really just Think of it as a mini writer's room in that moment, I think, where you just mm -hmm. can start riffing with the person. And that's where your improv work, I think, comes in handy where you say, yeah. oh, yeah, like that. That's really interesting. Can you talk about like how that you, you see that playing out or like what you mean by that? Or just like, like it could look like this, but maybe it looks like that. I don't know. What do you think? And then just start a conversation because then they feel engaged. And I think, too, that helps them get a glimpse of what it's like to work with you because they can now look into the future and see like, oh, if I gave Josh a note, he's going to genuinely think about it. And yeah. he, he's he's going to somehow find a way to make it work that that really is, you know, ingenious and creative. Yeah. And, and it is important to remember, and we talked about this in the Ten Commandments, is that there's usually a note behind the note if it doesn't make sense. So as tempting as it is to kind of shut things down and your natural reaction is like, you know what? I don't like that. I don't, that, I don't know what that's going to do to my story. If you actually take the time to think about it and what do they actually mean, it can lead to some really great things and kind of crack things open. Just be mm -hmm. open-minded. I agree. That's great advice. As much as we think we're always right, we should leave the open the possibility that we're not. No, of course not. But other people could be right too. <sighs> yeah. Can I give one final story? Yeah. I'd be mad if you didn't. So a, a big thing we hear about this legend that we hear about in the world of pitching is someone selling it in the room, which is like this white unicorn that never happens. Well, first of all, it's not a white unicorn because I know that you've done this. 
<laughs> but anyway, continue. Yeah, but it was a white unicorn until that happened and will never happen again. But here's a story that I think is a bit of advice in a way where I had worked for a good month, if not a little bit longer, on a pitch. Just constant revisions, pitching to the junior executives, repitching to them, just really honing in and I had nailed it. I was so confident with this pitch and it was just between me and one other person. And it was, this was a studio job. So this was going to be a huge deal with a major producer. And I had a 3 PM pitch and the other writer had a 12 PM pitch and I am on the day I'm getting ready. I'm like getting, you know, it's at 3 PM, but it takes a day to get into your headspace. <laughs> Hang on. Did you, how did you know they had a 12 PM? Because I was told that today's our day to take in our pitches to the studio. Well, the other girl has a 12 p.m. You'll come in at 3 p.m. Okay. Okay. No problem. Just wanted to know. Uh -huh. right. uh -huh. At 1.30, I'm about to get into my car to start driving through L.A. traffic. And I get a call mm. that says, so the other writer got the job in the room. Oh, so they, my they, God. She sold it in the room. And I was like, wait, but they had what but they haven't even heard my pitch like how there's only two of us they couldn't wait another hour to yeah. hear my pitch and I'm like sorry like they just really liked it and i was just i wanted them to find out who that writer was and they did yeah. <laughs> but they, i couldn't get her contact information because i wanted to call her to be like how just like teach me your ways yeah. that's what i wanted to you know not, not a violent way <laughs> just no. teach me how you did that because that seems impossible to not only sell it in the room but they know they have another version of this pitch coming in an hour and they don't care your pitch was so amazing that they're gonna buy it right now wow and so you know who the writer is i forget her name because this was years ago oh my god tasha <laughs> you're forgetting all these important people I would get her on this podcast if you could remember her name. I think this is like a name. trauma thing. I'm just putting it behind Yeah. Me. But I think my advice there is I waited to be 3 p.m. because I was scared and I wanted as much time as possible to practice. But if this happens to you, be the first person in the room. Yeah. I was um, once meeting with a manager. It was one of my first managers. And I remember I had a phone call with him and I was getting all of my meetings. My agent set things up and the manager said, Listen, I want you to make sure that I am either the first meeting you take or the last meeting you take. Whoa. Prom promise me that. And I said, yeah, I promise you. And I did. And I signed with him. I mean, he was my last meeting. And wow. um, power move. Big time power move. I, I asked him about it too. And I, this, I, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But that's what he said. I know that goes against exactly what you said in terms of be the first or the last, but I feel like pitching's a little different than obviously meeting with a manager. So I would also recommend just be first and come in hot. Yeah. I could also see being last, but I feel like based on this story, don't even put that out in the universe. Go first, come in hot. Yeah, no, I, I actually, up until your story, I was like, going last is probably the way to go if people gave you the courtesy to actually pitch. So if you come in first, say there are like five other people that they're hearing after mm -hmm. you. I feel like I would be afraid I would be forgotten. But right. if your pitch is so good, maybe they're judging everyone else's pitch by your standard. Absolutely. Can I go off of screenwriting for just a second? Yeah. This happens sometimes with my wife, who is a casting director, and I think mm. you're probably going through this, 
where I, I, you know, I'm familiar, you know, she'll be doing auditions or something. And a lot of actors and a lot of agents, they don't want to be first because of this exact reason, like someone might blow them away. But if you come in and you do like this really great audition and it's so memorable, you're exactly right. It's like that you are the standard at this point if you're mm. that good. Yeah. So I, I feel like that relates to pitching as well. Yeah. Come in hot. Come in real hot. Is that all we have to talk about for this post-pitch 10-minute segment? I think so. This is an unspoken part of pitching. It's a big part. You know that that time when you go to a restaurant where you're about to close out and the waiter comes in and just starts asking you about your day and like, what are you guys up to tonight after this? And they just are suddenly really friendly. They do yeah. that because you're about to put down the tip. So mm -hmm. that's basically what this moment is for writers. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. And so true because I was a waiter. <laughs> and I took improv classes. <laughs> probably killed that moment just before the tip you're <laughs> shitty before that but then amazing in that moment <laughs> yeah all right all right we did it. let's wrap up with the quote of the day oh yeah many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up thomas edison Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And me on Instagram as Josh Holman or Twitter at Joshua Holman. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.